Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, January 14th, 2024. Coming to us live from Floyd Media in Rockville Center. Got another big show coming up for you tonight. Dan Robertson, Jets play-by-play man, will be joining us from TSN. With me, as always, my partner in crime here, Mr. Stefan Rosner. My name is Sean Cuthbert. Stefan, how are you? I'm going to start with an adjective. Fantastic, Sean. I'm doing fantastic, but... I could feel the temperature rising, so I know when we get to questions brewing. I'm yeah. expecting, I mean, we'll get to it, but there's a lot like, to dive into. I feel into. like it's going to be a heated chat tonight. Bring it. We're going to find yeah. out. Well, thanks a lot for joining in here at twitch.tv slash hockey night and why before we dive in want to thank our wonderful sponsors we are proud to be presented by blue line deli and bagels satisfy your hunger at 719 west jericho turnpike in huntington and 217 carlton avenue in east islip check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com also happy to be sponsored by main street board game cafe find your crowd and unplug your game at 307 main street in huntington village also proud to be sponsored by Razor and Kniff, attorneys at law, ready to fight for you. Check them out at RazorandKniff.com. That is R-A-I-S-E-R-A-N-D-K-E-N-N-I-F-F.com for a free consultation. And also very proud to be sponsored by our brand new sponsor, A1 VIP Entertainment, your one-stop entertainment concierge. From sporting events to concerts to Broadway, they do it all They have tickets, travel, and everything in between. They currently have packages for the NHL Stadium Series, NHL All-Star Weekend, and the NFL Playoffs, and game day packages. Stefan, they literally do it all. They'll do the tickets. They'll book your travel. They'll book your hotels. They'll get you to the stadium. They'll put you in your seats. A lot of entertaining stuff that they do over there. Just happy to have them a part of the show. Yeah, it's exciting. I'm just proud of you when you spell that law firm correctly. The reason Kniff, you, you nail it. It's a lot of letters. No, I know. I would not <laughs> be able to do that. So, <laughs> Well, I appreciate that. So very happy to have A1 VIP Entertainment on board. Really appreciate it. And one call does it all at 516-787-0048. Give them a call. Book your entertainment package today. So with the pleasantries out of the way, Stefan... The week might have been going all right, depending on if a couple things went differently last night in Nashville, but uh, really tough loss for the Isles last night. It's got everybody in a sour mood. I have a feeling we're going to be talking a lot about that tonight in Questions Brewing, but let's just talk about the week here. One and two, that makes for a two, three, and one January. We talked about leading into this month, how it was a very rough month for this team going in last year, and they're trying to avoid the same thing now because obviously that you know put them out of playoff contention. It wasn't until they went on a great run later on in the season where they were kind of able to salvage things later on, and they don't want to dive into the same issues now. We'll see what happens. There's still plenty of January left, but not the greatest start now uh, after this little run here, and now they're going on a road trip with a couple of tough teams going ahead. So let's let's talk about these games. Let's start with Monday, coming yeah. off the 1-2-1 and one road trip. The Islanders tweaked their defensive structure. Instead of having two defensemen chase behind the net, which no team should ever do, they had one guy staying in the slot, another defense going to the corner with another forward. If the puck was on the other side, you just reverse that. We thought, okay, this is what we're going to see against the Vancouver Canucks. Never had a chance to do that because the Canucks came in and showed why they are one of the best teams in the league and allowed right. the Islanders to do absolutely nothing right off the bat. Casey Zekas takes a chronic slap shot off the foot. 
Turns out he's going to be out week to week for that. They end up scoring, so insult to injury there. And from that point on, it was the Canucks game to lose, and they certainly did not lose that one. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying this is the reason why the Islanders lost that game, but big turning point was Matt Barzell taking yet another undisciplined penalty in that game. So he basically, he, he's behind the net, I believe, and he, and he gets turned around. And, and, and instead of just, you know, playing through it like most veterans would he does a 180 he hacks his stick back he gets called for a trip I thought it was going to be a slash but either way undisciplined play he ends up in the box and this is right after the penalty's over I think it was like about five seconds afterwards yeah. that's when the shot comes from the point it hits Zizekas takes him out he comes back for a little bit later on in the game but essentially he's out right now he's out long term and Hronik scores right after that play right after that injury happens, and, and, and then the Islanders kind of spiral from there. So, I mean, again, is that the reason the Isles lost? Perhaps not, but at the same time, it didn't help. It didn't help their cause, and you still see these undisciplined penalties coming from this team, and it seems to be coming from the same guys. And look, Matt Barzell is having a hell of a season. We've been talking about him all year. He's been a hero of the week plenty of times, all that good stuff. But if he's going to continue to do this, you know, game in, game out, and, and hurt his team, you're going to get these results. And I thought it was just a, a terrible thing on his part, and it ends up being worse because now Casey Sezikis is out, and you get the line jumbling that we'll end up talking about later. Yeah, second goal, Quinn Hughes is allowed to walk to the slot yep. and shoot oh, yeah. against the green th- past the screen. which gross. Gross. Third <laughs> goal, gross. Adam Pellick in his first game back after missing 20 games gets pickpocketed. Then you have a give and go back and yeah. forth tapping. I think Brock Nelson scored two goals. I guess that would be the positive of the game. Sure. Um, but That's nice. not many positives when you get pummeled on home ice. But let's move on to a game where they won. Sure. Let's do that. Toronto. The only one of the week. Yes. Down three to one. Come back. Huge win for many reasons. One, to the fight back. Yes. Toronto again. You beat them in overtime. Noah Dobson, four assists. Matthew Barzell, a goal and three assists, including that game winner. But I think the most important thing was Ilya Sorokin. Big mm-hmm. stops. We've talked about it so many times. Big stops in big moments. And for Sorokin, whose season really struggled with this, after the game, we were talking with Romanov about, you know, just seeing Sorokin get a win. And this is what he had to say about his goalie's performance. It was so important, by the way, to him to win tonight because... He wasn't happy of, of his game, uh, last two games, and uh, always, I don't know, I'm really happy to him because we, we support him today, and uh, he had a great game. Yeah, and then after the game, I asked Lambert the same thing. I said, Romanov, and he goes, listen, Sorokin made big-time stops, that big-time stop on Nylander and Titan again. They don't need Sorokin to be perfect. But in big games, in big moments, they just need him to come up with the save. Because the Islanders, again, we've talked about it. Their offense can compete with every offense in this league. They don't even need amazing goalie. They just need average or a little above average to bail them out in those big moments. And I thought Sorokin, that game was huge because he snaps. Obviously, the Islanders were on a losing skid. Right. But for him, again, with Varlamov still out, he's got to be the guy. He is the key to their consistency because we saw last year. And then the Islanders are winning games. It was because of him. And at the end of the day, like, it's not fair to put all the pressure on him to be the key for sure. everything, but it's the reality of the situation. If Sorokin yeah. brings his game to just not even an amazing level, above average level, the honors going to find a way to get points at a much higher rate. 
Yeah, without a doubt. It's good to see he found his game a little more that game. And, and, I, and of course, last night as well. We'll talk more on that. But it's a positive sign. And, and I think just across the board, like you said, a lot of good narratives here, especially they flip the script on the comeback here. Yep. They're down 3-1. to one. They come back to tie it. They get, uh, obviously, the big overtime goal from Matt Barzell. Three assists in the game, gets the big winner. That's huge. Uh, Romanov with a snipe. snipe. We asked him after the game. Can you ask him to do that more, please? It was so funny. <laughs> Andrew Gross from Newsday asked him after the game, what do you saw? He goes, goalie, all the way to the right. He goes, picked up head, and just shot it there. And what again, a shot. we talk about Romanov. Can yeah. we talk about the faceoff win by mm-hmm. Bo Horvat in mm-hmm. overtime? Again, Horvat's under 50% for the first time in his career. Um, and he right. talked about it, and he said he's got to be better. Yeah. But again, stats don't... If he was 1 for 10 in that game, and the only one he won was that overtime one, no one cares. Sure. And I thought, again, if they lose that faceoff, they don't get that goal. It's a direct result of not even a, a faceoff win, a clear win. Right. Got it back, got it to Dobson. It just worked out perfectly. And again, that's why people get so hung up on stats. Right. That yeah. was huge. That was the biggest moment of that game, obviously. And if Horvath doesn't win that draw, do the Islanders win in overtime? Maybe not. Remains to be seen. We'll never know. Let's get but, to... Uh... But a big win. But <laughs> let's get to the, the hot topic, and that's all still fresh in our minds, and that is last night... Nashville Predators, the Islanders go in to visit Barry Trotz, former coach, now the GM of the Nashville Predators, and uh, brought a little tear to my eye seeing Barry getting interviewed by Shannon Hogan. But uh, it's in the past. It is what it is. But, uh, you know, I'm still sending Barry love letters every now and then. (laughs) Nothing against Lane, but, uh, you know, I did love Barry Trotz's tenure with the New York Islanders. But that being said... You know, you get a low-scoring game here. It's funny how they go into Barry Trotz's building now. <laughs> and they show and, off. And, yeah, they're like, look, guy, look, Barry, we can still Dad, do it. we did it. <laughs> yeah, right? So you get through, you know, the first two periods, scoreless game, and, and you, you might start saying to yourself, okay, not only that, but the Islanders are looking pretty good here. Maybe they finally exercise the Nashville Demons, and they're playing a good game. And, and, and also you, you start thinking, okay, the defense has obviously been an issue for this team. Maybe this is the game where we start to see them get a little more responsible, you know, start to grow in that part of the game this season where heading into the second half here, that's something that they can improve upon, start bagging more points, start winning more games, start holding on to more leads, right? So they end up getting the lead in the third period, JGP with a nice tip uh, on a shot from the point and still feeling good. You get that one nothing lead. Then things start to unravel as you get later on in the period there. You get, uh, you know, some undisciplined play. You get the penalty from Paul Mary. Well, the turnover. Yeah, and the penalty. Yes. No, I, I just want to... Turnover. Double whammy. Penalty. Yes, uh, Nashville ends up cashing Triple in. Triple whammy. 1-1, and at the same... You're like, all right, fine. It happened, but you're still feeling good about how they're playing, right? More or less. You get later into the game. It's 1-1. You're like, all right, this one's probably going to overtime. Fine, we'll see if they can get that second point. And then that sequence at the end of the game was just, just gut-punching, to say the least. And, you know, I, I commented on, uh, on Twitter a couple times last night, but... Just a fundamental play that you learn very early on in your hockey career. And Matt Martin, you know, you, you the, looking at the replay for me made it even worse because you just saw how much space he had to go yeah. up the boards because the, the Predators' defenseman was already backing up towards the red line. Like, he wasn't even holding steady at the blue. So that would have made this, this whole play a little less egregious to me if maybe he just weighed his options and still picked the wrong one. But... You know, he he must have seen... This is the only explanation I'd come up with. I agree with your explanation, by the way. Thank, thank you, thank you. No problem. So, he must have seen Pajot, and, and, and as this, you know, play quickly develops, right? He probably sees Pajot, and he's like, okay, we got a little, a little bit of time here. Maybe I can spring him for a break. He must not have seen any yellow around him, because if he sees yellow, he chips it up the boards, right? But... 
He still sort of shit the boards up the boards anyway. He had plenty of room. It goes down at least at least to center ice. And by the time Nashville comes back in, the period's over. They're going to overtime. You got nothing to worry about. You're on the road. It's tied. Get your road point and try to get the the additional point, right? So, but he, but he goes for this pass here because again, he must not have seen anybody in yellow over there by JG. So he's like, let let me give this a shot. Let me see if we can get one last rush up the ice for a goal. And I'm sure as soon as the puck left his stick, he looked over and he was like. Expletive, <laughs> right? Expletive. Yeah, shite. And and obviously we saw what developed after that and, and Murphy's Law from there where anything that could go wrong went wrong. And obviously the Predators get a little bit of sustained, sustained pressure there in the final seconds and you get the shot from the point. Mayfield tries to, you know, block the shot. I get it. And it ends up snapping a stick. It ends up going up. And over Sorokin, who came out the challenge, as he should by the, the way. Net. Yeah, yeah. I don't people think people blaming Sorokin that last goal. I mean, no. let's be real. He played um, that to a T. I even, I even, you know, hesitate to blame Scott Mayfield on this play because I get it. Waning seconds, you know, you as a goalie is like, ah, you got to let him see the shot. You got to let him see the shot, right? But he's just trying to get in the way of it. I mean, did he know that his stick was going to break and the puck was going to go up the no. way it did? No, he didn't. Uh, it must have been a very, very hard shot. Snaps a stick, puck goes the way it does, or up over Sorokin, into the net. I mean, if I'm looking to point fingers on this play, for me, it's obviously Matt Martin. Just a, unfortunately a dopey play. He knew it as soon as the puck went off his stick, kind of like the play we talked about with Clutterbuck a couple yep. of games ago, and just ends up going absolutely the worst possible way for this team. And, and I know uh, you, you got fans now questioning a lot of things going on with this team right now. Yeah, it's the weighing on the why is he out there, and we had spoken about this, and you know, I heard a lot after the game that Martin's washed, things like that. Martin played a good game. I'm not saying he was great. I'm not saying it's Martin from 10 years ago. He led the team in hits. He was going out there. He was playing positionally well. He was fine. So maybe he earned, in Lambert's eyes, earned the final two out of three shifts of that period to make a play there. But again, we talked about it. Fundamentals, right? Lambert should have trust in every single player on his roster. With time, Again, it would have been one thing if Martin's chasing down the puck and three guys converge on him and he has no play and he just tries to get it out, and that happens. Right. He took strides. Yes. And then yes. makes and looked up the middle. Yeah. And again, it's, in the dying seconds, it, it just it's a play that cannot be made. Correct. I get for sure the fans that say, well, why was he out there anyway? It doesn't make any sense. Especially That's, after already having a shift just previous. It makes it look even worse. It's all on lane. Again, I understand if you're mad at Lane for putting him out there. Mm-hmm. It's a play that has to be made, plain and simple. Yep. And then we get into that before we move on here and then get to our interview. We have the situation with people leaving the bench. So what happened was that goal goes in. Why, don't, us, we, why don't we pick that up after Let's Dan. do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we got Dan waiting that. over there. We got a break, but we'll definitely talk about the Islanders exit in the bench. So, folks, I want to thank you so much for tuning in to twitch.tv slash hockey night and why your favorite podcast providers are going to take a break. When we come back, Dan Robertson of TSN, Winnipeg Jets play-by-play man, will be joining us. We'll be right back. If you're an Islander fan, there's nothing like a big win, a tasty meal, and great company. And Blue Line Deli and Bagels provides all that and more. Owned and operated by diehard Islander fans, Blue Line Deli and Bagels happily serves Bagel Boss Bagels and a full menu of delicious food and beverages. Whether it's breakfast favorites like pancakes and omelets, specialty heroes and wraps like the hat trick and the hip check, or fresh-made coffee and smoothies, Blue Line Deli and Bagels has you covered. So stop on in to the flagship location at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington or the new spot at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip for their familiar, friendly service and the best food around. And don't forget, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com or pick up the phone and call 631-944-3222. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. 
You can go to the game or you can experience the game. And anything is possible with A1 VIP Entertainment, your one-stop entertainment concierge. Book an NHL game day experience and watch the action from sweet level with a hockey legend or play a round of golf with your favorite heroes from any sport. Thinking of going out of town for the big game? Done. Put your stress to rest and let A1 book travel for you. Need a place to eat before kickoff? That's done too. A1 locks down reservations at the most exclusive restaurants. And it's not just sports. A1 VIP entertainment gets you from backstage at the hottest concerts to the bright lights of Broadway and even the red carpets of Hollywood. So treat yourself, impress your clients, or give a gift that will last a lifetime. A1 VIP Entertainment is your ticket to an unforgettable experience. At 516-787-0048, one call does it all. Thanks for giving some time to our sponsors. Ready to talk more aisles? The train rolls on right here on Hockey Night in New York. That's right, folks. The train rolls on here at Hockey Night in New York. Now it is time for On the Line, brought to you by A1 VIP Entertainment. Joining us right now on the line is Dan Robertson of TSN, play-by-play man for the Winnipeg Jets. Dan, thank you so much for joining us. How you doing? My pleasure. I'm doing well. How are you guys? Doing very well. You're talking to Sean and Stefan. Appreciate your time here tonight. So the Winnipeg Jets, uh, top of the Central Division, uh, were, were floating around the top of the league there for a little while. Obviously, uh, a nice little improvement for them going over the last couple of years. Just wanted to start there. And what's been different for this team that's got them clicking so well? Me being an Eastern Conference Islanders guy, not watching the Jets every night, but maybe you can tell us a little bit about what's got them going. Well, they've changed the culture, and I'm almost uh, hesitant to say that because it's a, a term that's thrown around so loosely, but... You can see it. I mean, last year they took the C from Blake Wheeler. He's gone now. Of course, he's a Ranger. That's changed a lot of things in the room. I think it's allowed other players to take ownership. Um, Pardon me. If you look at it on the ice, defensively, they've been just great. 31 straight games now where they've allowed three goals or less. And uh, it's you would think somewhere along the line they would have gotten blown out. But uh, all of that to say that they're, they're really relentless when they don't have the puck. They're playing the way that Rick Bonus wants them to play. The offense has been spread out. They have great goaltending in Connor Halbach. It's, I, nobody expected them to be where they are right now, and I don't know where they'll be uh, in a month. But last year they started really strongly too. And then actually it was mid-January they kind of fell apart. They finished 500 uh, from, uh, I guess, about the 19th of January till the end. This is a better team than that. This They're much more structurally and systematically sound. So they're, they're just, they're getting, you know, too, they traded Pierre-Luc Dubois to uh, Los Angeles and they got uh, Alex Iafalo and Gabriel Velarde. They've both been terrific. Rasmus Kapari, they got him too. He's been hurt, but there's, there's a lot of things going right for the Jets right now. And you look at their eight game winning streak that was snapped because of Urson for Flyers just standing on his head, but anything different click for this team just on that eight game streak that maybe they weren't doing earlier? Uh, not necessarily, but I, I I think you could see the belief that they would have in each other. So they would get down, and this is something that I really noticed a lot talking to coaches about. They would get down one or two goals, and there was no no panic in their game. They would just kind of stick to to what they've been taught and, and to what's made them successful. And, you know, ultimately they'd get a big goal or two here or there. And, and not giving up that third goal mostly night after night was big too. So it's it's just it kind of came to a head. They, they, they turned things around. 
November the 2nd, they lost 5-2 at Vegas. And then they got on like a month-long or basically two-month-long streak where they were excellent defensively. And I think during the streak, it kind of came to a head where, where everything was really firing. And they've done it without Kyle Connor. He's their best goal scorer. He's been hurt since December the 10th. He's probably, I think, going to play on uh, Tuesday night. So that's good news for the Jets. Maybe not for the Islanders if he does play. <laughs> yeah, no question about it. And you talk about a post-Blake Wheeler world here. Uh, who are the leaders that have stepped up for this team, whether they're wearing a letter or not, not only on the ice, but but in the locker room as well? Uh, maybe just talk about the guys that are, you know, maybe responsible for this, you know, rise to the top for the Winnipeg Jets. Well, certainly Adam Lowry. He is the, the new captain. And Adam... Adam's not a flashy player. He's not offensively productive, but he answers the bell. If somebody needs to fight, he'll do it. He He's a part of the line with Nino Niederreiter and Mason Appleton. That's been a very good third line. And Adam's just a, he's a great person. I know that sounds corny, but he is. And they, they follow him in the battle. Josh Morrissey last year, he exploded with 76 points and he's, he's not kept up that pace offensively this year. The numbers are still good. I think 31 points, but Joss is a, a real young leader, too. And guys like, you know, kind of unsung guys like uh, Brendan Dillon and uh, Dillon DeMello, a couple of um, defensive-minded defensemen. You can see them sort of take more of a leadership role to older guys. But it's – and I, again, I keep saying this. It does sound corny and cliche, but you can see when you talk to guys, you can tell that they all feel – like they have a stake in the leadership. So it's kind of neat to see that way. No, it makes sense, and it goes a long way. I mean, they talk about here on the island about how tight-knit the Islanders are here. So so definitely, uh, you know, good to hear that from a Winnipeg vantage point. But you, you mentioned, you know, Niederreiter, obviously a former first-round draft pick of the Islanders, bounced around a couple yeah. of teams. Seems like he's kind of struggled to to find long-term footing with anybody. How, how has he looked with the Winnipeg Jets? You talked about being on a good third line there, but maybe you can just expand on his play. Yeah, when he came in last year and they got him for, I think, a second-round pick, uh, they really needed someone like that. And I've learned a lot about Nino, too. Like, I used to maybe call two of his games a year or three. And I knew he was, like, a, I think he was the fifth overall pick when he was drafted. But I didn't know a whole heck of a lot else. But he goes to the front of the net, as you guys would know, and in the corners. He's not flashy, but he's really – he scored some big goals. And there's something, too, about – to say about wanting to play in Winnipeg. I mean, it's not, it's not a flashy place. It's, it makes it, it's tough, right? They're not going to get high end free agents for the most part. So he just signed a, a two year, a three year extension actually. And uh, that, that was, I mean, it was a feel good thing because um, I think it said $4 million a year. He didn't really give himself a raise that way, but he's just kind of goes to the dirty areas and seems to be a really good guy that people like too. So it was, that was a significant signing from a general manager and Kevin Cheveldayoff, who's uh, there's something to be said, I think about the patience that ownership has shown in him. He's been the only GM they've had since they came back here to Winnipeg from Atlanta. And uh, he just quietly goes about his business and he's, yeah, he's done it. He's done a great job. Yeah. You mentioned the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. What were your initial thoughts of that this summer? And I guess what are your initial thoughts or what are your thoughts now on just how that trade really has come about and really helped the Jets? Well, watching Dubois last year, he was on and off, but when he was on, he was, he was a beast. I mean, he's whatever he is, six, three, two, 10, two, 15. And he can, you know, draw people to him, take on two players and open up somebody else uh, to pass to. But when I mentioned that the team kind of went south last year, midway through, it, it's not because of him, but he he disappeared for a while. And he's been known to do that in his career. And he's done that now in Los Angeles. And I mean, they'll see his value in the playoffs. If, if he shows up in the playoffs, I mean, that they've got a great uh, top three down the middle. 
with Felix Deneau and Andre Kopitar and Dubois. But uh, at, at originally when it happened, I thought this is a good trade because he wanted out, right? So Chevaldeyev uh, kind of had a gun to his head to speak, uh, to say it that way. So he gets Kupari, who was a first-round pick, and still, you know, question marks, to be honest with you. Alex Iafalo, who's uh, from the Buffalo area and kind of a Swiss Army knife. Um, Gabriel Velarde, he you can see he's got terrific hands. He's good in front of the net. And they got a second-round pick, too, for one player. So uh, I think he did really well. And that's not being, you know, Jets biased. It's just everybody will tell you the same. I haven't looked at Dubois' numbers lately. But uh, what those other guys have done for the Jets is pretty significant. And Velarde missed 18 games with an injury, uh, but he ever since he came back, he's been really good. So it's it's been a home run for Sheffield Day off. Yeah, right on. yeah, Velarde's got more points than Dubois, or definitely more goals when I when I checked today. So yeah. So so Dan, uh, shifting to the goaltending here, Connor Hellebuck been one of the top goaltenders in this league now for a little while now, and you look at his save percentage, it's pretty much carried over from last year's numbers to this year, but his goals against average have gone down, and I wanted to know, is that more a product of just his play escalating, or is that the team, the way the team in front of him has been playing? Uh, both, but I, I think maybe a little more the team in front of him, the high-quality chances, and I don't have the numbers, but they, they're better uh, or they're, they're lower than they were last year, I'm sure of it. You can just – just the eye test, game in and game out, will tell you. Uh, he's an interesting guy. So they re-signed he and Mark Shifley in the offseason right before training camp, and it stunned everybody. I think um, a lot of people, including me, thought at least one of them will play half the year and then be traded. But it was it was a real galvanizing signing. They're both important players. And you know what? I I call Montreal Canadiens games for eight years, and I saw Carey Price in his prime. And I'm not saying that Hellebuck is that. Uh, he's not far off, but he's, you know, people in Montreal would say, oh, Price makes $10.5 million, and he did. And right now it's kind of costing them whatever. He's <laughs> obviously on LTIR. Right. But when you have a goalie like that, and you guys know about good goaltending on the island, you you're set to go, right? You, you don't have to worry night in and night out. I mean, you look at other teams that are trying to find a, the correct answer in net. Like, you know, Edmonton's always going to have that question. I think Toronto will. The, we're talking about big contenders here. Yeah. Hellebuck night in and night out, and he's always healthy, it seems. He's just terrific. He, he had a bit of a rough start with his numbers. Uh, I would say the first maybe 15 games, maybe a dozen and we talked to him, and he said, you know what? Honestly, I feel good. I'm tracking well with my eyes. I'm moving well. I think I'm going to be okay. And sort of right after he said that, they took off. But, yeah, they're better in front of him, but he's the kind of guy that he's got the size and the technical ability. He always seems to be square to the shooter, but he has the athleticism when he has to make a terrific save to most times make that save. So he's really been fun to watch. And then after last year getting eliminated, I know Rick Bonus was disgusted with the effort from his club. Question their pride. You had mentioned it before and how the culture has changed, but how has Rick Bonus really been a part of that culture change as well? Well, and I love that from Rick too. I, I think when he did that, I thought, good for you. Good on you. Like, let it rip. So many, I mean, so many coaches feel that way a lot of times and they don't say anything. Uh, I think in the end, he kind of regretted it a little bit, but it's it's been this sort of thing where it's taken time and he's been open about that time to kind of change the mindset of the players. But uh, obviously they put in a system that they bought into and, and you can see it. And I'm not a big systems guy. I'm not somebody who can sit there and break down tape, to be honest with you, but you can just tell that when they don't have the puck, they play a certain way and they more often than not get it back. And, and it's, it's been a tough two years for Rick. So he started last year 
he got a terrible – he got COVID, and it really affected him for a long time. He missed a lot of games. So this year we got started, and his wife Judy took a seizure. So Rick missed – I think it was a month. And uh, Scott Arneal basically took over as head coach. He's one of he's an associate coach. So they've done a great job, or they did a great job in his absence. But uh, he, he's actually going to the All-Star game, too. Rick will be 69 uh, in a couple of weeks, and I, I'm not sure if it's his first time going, but he's pretty thrilled about it, and he deserves it. He's done a really good job. No, Dan, it's it's an amazing story for him because I remember when he started with the Ottawa Senators when they first came into the league, and they were god-awful back then. And he went from <laughs> the Senators, and then he went to the Islanders during some rough 90s teams, and he was the coach there too. So to see him go from that, and obviously it's been 30 or so years since then, but to come along now, he has a stint in Dallas, and it just seems like he's, he's finally – earned his place in, in, in the hierarchy of coaches here, you know, obviously coaching the Winnipeg Jets here to such a successful first half and, and what they did last year. But I guess, you know, with all that in mind, what was what was the reception in Winnipeg maybe from the fans, if you got any sort of feeling for it, when he was the guy who they went to to hire and bring him in? Because I'm just so curious based on, you know, where he came from and now where he is now. Yeah, so just to, to go back, it was Paul Maurice and then he – kind of threw in the towel midway through the previous right, season and, right. and Adam Lowry's dad, Dave came on. So, you know what, honestly, that was my first year here too. So I was kind of getting here when, when Rick was here. Sure. It's funny. We're both, uh, we're both Nova Scotians. And uh, so with that in mind, I'll keep a close eye on Noah Dawson who's from PEI. I love that kid. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, it was, I, I think it was the sort of thing and, and it's such a good hockey community here. People were, I think people were positive about it. Uh, the fact, I think, that he helped the Stars to the final, to the Stanley Cup final a couple of years before didn't hurt. And he's had such a stellar reputation that I think people were mostly, I guess, cautiously optimistic. And, you know, I had said earlier, and I still believe this, that um, ownership needs a pat on the back for being patient with Kevin Chevaldeoff as GM. The last couple of years, people you know, they they get a little bit frustrated like any good hockey market when things aren't going well. So uh, that wasn't a good season a couple of seasons ago. So it was, I think you could have, you know, you could have resurrected Toe Blake and brought him in here and people would be like, yeah, I don't know. He's only won 10 cups. So it's one of those <laughs> things where it's basically show me what you can do and then I'll believe sure. you. But, you know, where they are right now and, and they're all so quick to say they haven't won anything yet. But people, people are impressed because Rick's a good guy too. Like, uh, he, he has a stellar reputation, and he's earned it. Just the person he is, so, like, off the ice as well. Well, Dan, outstanding stuff. Great to get a little scouting report here, the Winnipeg Jets. Appreciate your time here. Uh, thank you so much. Hope to have you on down the road, and have a great rest of your Sunday night. Anytime. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much, Thanks, Dan. Dan. Take care. All right, folks, that was Dan Robertson, play-by-play man for the Winnipeg Jets over at TSN. Great stuff from him. And that was On the Line, brought to you by A1 VIP Entertainment. One call does it all, 516-787-0048. If you're interested in going to the Super Bowl, NFL playoffs, maybe the NHL All-Star Game, give that number a call. They will set you up, hook you up, and take care of you. A1 VIP Entertainment. So, Stefan, I think... We should take one more break. We'll dive back into that early exit out of the Nashville game. We'll get on to the, uh, the rest of the stuff we want to talk about. So, folks, before we go to break, I want to tell you all about Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore. Games for sale and for open play, food and drink, beer and wine, fun and friends. Bring the magic of phones down, eyes up, tabletop board games to your family. Our staff will help you find the right game from old favorites to the hottest new releases. We have everything from strategic to easy party games. Get off your screens for a night. Your family will remember... 
Looking for meetups to join our Magic the Gathering, Dungeons and Dragons, Lorcana, and organized play communities are welcoming for all. We also do parties and corporate events located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Go to MainSTBoardGameCafe.com for more information. Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd. Unplug your game. So thank you once again for tuning in to twitch.tv slash hockey night NY. And of course, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're everywhere tonight. We're giving it a shot. So thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, the show rolls on. Attention all artists, storytellers, and creators of all kinds. It's time to make your content stand out above the rest. And Floored Media is the place to make your visions become a reality. Maybe you want to elevate your podcast and add some video. Or turn that novel you wrote into an audiobook. Or maybe you just need the right space to produce your daily vlog. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out, and no matter the project, Floored Media has the professional facilities, exceptional staff, and intimate atmosphere to breathe life into your creative passions at every step of the process. If it's engineering, production, live streaming, or post-production, you name it, Floored Media does it all. Conveniently located in the heart of Rockville Center and only a 30-minute ride from New York City on the Long Island Railroad, your creative incubator awaits. Go to FloredMedia.com for more information and email contact at FloredMedia.com for packages, rates, and availability. Hone in on your unique voice and start your project with Floored Media. Well, it's time to get back on the couch for more Islanders therapy on Hockey Night in New York. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the program. Hockey Night in New York. You're tuning in at twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY. And Stefan, why don't we talk about that supposed early exit by the New York Islanders in Nashville last night? There was a little bit of a drama, a little bit of drama on that last night on social media. And today, Stefan, take it away. Yeah, let's put the water on the fire because yeah. there's a lot of things to be mad about last night if you're an Islander fan. Yeah. This was not one of, again, I get it. And the way films. Video was cut today and put on social media. Yeah, <laughs> Johnny yeah. Glass. Um, yeah, but okay. Yeah, so what happened was, boy. what happened was, with about <laughs> what zero point two seconds to play, um, they score an empty net. Nashville scores the empty net. Mm. The clock goes to zero. The horn goes off. The horn goes off. Lambert teammates leave the bench. Little upset. Yeah. Little upset. Obviously, so with sure. how it transpired, realistically, there should not have been any time put back. Like that should have been it. They go to the room. Um, they call, I guess, five five players out right. because they need to finish the game for that one point one second phase off. Bo right. Horvat stays in the tunnel and waits right. for his teammates. Right, a good thing for a teammate to do. But sure. this whole belief in that Lambert bailed on his team. Don't blame the players; they all followed Lambert. Awful. Bo Horvat should get the C, and Lee should be stripped because he stayed there. <laughs> it's just again, I got the madness, uh. but. That game was over. The horn went off. Once the horn went off, they all left. Mm. They called five guys back on. It was not even probably addressed in the in the room. Yeah. Again, it's it's a people are making this into a culture issue. Stop. Think about if Stop. you were on that team and that goal happens. They score an empty net goal. The horn goes off and no you one hear says the buzzer. anything. As far as you know, the game is over. Yes. Should they now? You could say they should have all maybe come back out, but by that point, equipment's already off, jerseys are off, screaming matches are probably happening, right. anger, rage, people on the table the already. The closest guys to the ice just stepped back out, had a ceremonial face off, and said goodnight, see you. Later. And again, that's all it was. Credit Horvat for staying and watching. Sure, nice guy. But it's not. Again, I really think people just took that way too far and yeah. thought that was another reason to blame Lane. And I, I get it. Tensions were really high. Yeah, understandable. This is not a story. And it became a story, and you may still think it's a story. I'm telling you, it is not a story. And if you want to question anything about that game, talk about what happened on the ice in the final 10 seconds. Again, 
this was not an issue. I, it's an honest. Yeah, you got to talk to your boy Johnny Lazarus over there, man. Because I saw that tweet and I was like, "Come on!" I was like, "You don't even know the context," you know. It was a little bizonette ish, a little bit, a little bit. And he's a Ranger guy, so maybe yeah. he was trying to stir the pot a little bit. But yeah, look, <laughs> anybody out there who's like, "This is an issue. This is a problem. Stop it!" They thought the game was over. I mean, blame Lane for putting it. it. Yeah. That's it. That's all it was. Like, there's nothing else. There's no leadership issues. It's just the game was over. I mean, anybody, if you were on that bench, I was on that bench, we would have stormed off the same way because it was a terrible way to lose a damn game. If I was right? Sorokin and that was the buzzer, I'm storming off. My equipment's off. The he flew down the tunnel. Adley, he might have been the first one out. I would have made Ken Adley get in there and get between <laughs> the crease for his first NHL right. game in like six years. Yeah, so look, it's kind of a, a, non, a non-story story here. You know what I mean? I mean, I get it, you know, especially if you didn't see it. I understand that. Like, if you didn't see what actually happened and you just see the clip, like you talked about, oh, wow, that's interesting, right? But, like, now that, you know, more people know what actually happened, like, just, just chill like out. It's like slowing down. Just a, chill out. It's like slowing down a hit to determine if it was an illegal hit. Sure. In real time. Exactly. Or it's like. <laughs> exactly. You got to go to the Panasonic digital replay. Man. <laughs> Panasonic. Jeez. <laughs> All right. So, so now we put that to bed. Why don't we move on to the result of that very undisciplined <laughs> penalty that Matt Barzell took. And what I mean is the line juggling after yes. Casey Zizekas ends up getting hurt. He comes out of the lineup. Lane wants another center. They don't want to dip into the AHL for whatever reason. I saw, you know, Kirk McLean's name coming up and stuff like that. Kirk? Oh, God. Oh, Kyle. Kyle! (laughs) (laughs) Kirk. All right, People name their kids Kirk? Kyle. Kyle. So anyway, so they decide to go with Matt Barzell. They shift him over to center. They take him up Bo Horvat's line. You get a more, you know, you get a traditional one through four center situation here, but of course, it splits up that dynamic duo, and you get a lot of inter- interesting changes there. It brings Wallstrom back in; he ends up on the first line with Lee and Horvat, and he gets some playing time. I know you want to talk about that a little bit, and you kind of just look up and down, and you say to yourself, "What's going to happen here, right?" You know, because because you saw what was working. What maybe was working wasn't working recently. When you look at like Engvall, Palmieri, and, and Nelson, so you maybe understand that change up a little bit. But at the end of the day, you're kind of just like, geez, how is this going to work? You got Barzell on the third line. Which, again, when we list them, just right. to throw in there, we list the lines right. during practice. Don't, it, it doesn't uh, don't mean take he's, stock in the order. It doesn't mean he's getting third line ice time or anything he didn't. like that. But, you know, he ends up with, with Holmstrom, and it's obviously a change. But then you see what ends up happening. They get the win against Toronto. Right? They played very. They played solid. Yeah, they looked good. They they had plenty of plenty of time in that game, even against Nashville, where you know they had sustained pressure. They were looking good, so they were actually making Lane look smart for once, at least com- <laughs> compared to what what some fans think about this guy. And you know it was working out all right. And and you know we'll see how it goes long term. We'll see if he keeps it this way, especially after what happened last night. I wouldn't be surprised if we see some changes after that. But Stefan, you look at this situation, Wallstrom, and every everything else going on with that lineup. What what do you what do you make of it? It's a confusing situation because mm-hmm. remember that game that Zekas was sick. That was the game against the Capitals, that five one win after the seven nothing shellacking. Cal Clutterbuck played center. He actually won the opening draw. And we asked him and said, you know, what was the thought of separating Barzal and Horvat mm-hmm. when you could have just put Clutterbuck there? And he said, with how long Sikas is going to be out, he didn't feel comfortable putting Clutterbuck in that spot. And he also said that he could have made one or two changes to fill the Sikas void. Right. He didn't like the way they were playing. So again, you ran through the top line. Then it was Engvall, Nelson, Fashing, um, Holmstrom, Barzal, Palmieri, Martin, Peugeot, Clutterbuck. And again, separating Horvat and Barzal is not ideal. And then I asked Lane, I said, why, you know, what was the thought process not putting Sezikis on IR? Now, mm-hmm. IR is seven games that he'll miss. You retroactive it to the date of the injury. 
He's probably going to miss that. He's week to week with a lower body injury. He's missing that time anyway. Mm-hmm. What's the thought on that? You have to ask Lou. Now, I, I crunched some numbers for us because math. You like to do that. So, Sezikis going on IR. The reason I asked their question to Lane is because the Islanders, if they put him on IR, could create a roster spot. And right. with Pulak on right. LTIR, they have the cap space. Right. A guy like Kyle McLean, who's played really with Kirk. We'll call him Kirk now. You know who Kirk McLean was? Kirk McLean was a goaltender for the Vancouver Canucks probably before you were born, <laughs> or around the time. He played on like the, uh, the 94 Canucks team, mm. Pavel Bure, against the Rangers in the Cup Final. That's who Kirk McLean was. Okay. So, anyway. Sorry, guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> could have called up Kyle McLean. Could have called up Carson Kuhlman. A guy that has NHL experience who they signed uh-huh. this summer. Mm-hmm. It's not a popular name, but Otto Cavoila has played solid, and he mm-hmm. has NHL experience. Mm-hmm. And you could also have put, if Zizekas is going to be out, again, long-term, the way Lane made it seem, you could have also LTIR'd him, which would have added another, they have $3.437 million in cap space right now with Pulak out. That's about 5.9 putting Zizekas' contract on there as well. Could also make a trade. So the fact is that long-term, I don't think they want to keep Barzal and Horvat separate. Now again, mm. I thought against Nashville. They also through, got some shifts together. Yeah, in the game against Toronto mm-hmm. and against Nashville, mm-hmm. which Lane said was going to happen. Right. But I thought structurally, that game against Nashville was their best structural showing probably of the year. That top line, including Philip Forsberg, had nothing. There was no high danger chances. Sroken looked great because he didn't have to be, you know, making these crazy saves. And, and I thought Pellick, by far his best game back. I thought Mayfield, by far his best game back. Oliver Walsh may have had his best game of his, one of his better games of his career in terms of doing the little things. Sure. He had that between the legs move to create time and space for the shot. He had five shots in five minutes against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, I thought they were great. So these lineup decisions really helped, I think, structurally. That being said, Horvath and Barzal, your moneymakers, you got to, especially with this team, again, maybe the offense has fallen off just a little bit as of late. You need those guys together if possible. And with all of those points that you just made, it makes last night, the way last night ended, all the more heartbreaking because of all the good work that they did leading up to that. And now you wonder how this is going to affect this team mentally with the way the game ended. Now, look, most of them are veterans. They brushed losses like this off. They brushed off the San Jose loss way back when. That was a tough one, too. But they would have, they could have been feeling a lot better about themselves after last night had they at least gotten the point and rewarded themselves for that good defensive play. And it all goes up in smoke at the very end. And let's rewind for a sec. This yeah. game again, zero zero going to the third. Second time this year the Islanders have a game like that. The first one was right after Pelic and Ajo got hurt in Ottawa. They put the Flyers and lost one nothing in a shootout. So again, they're oh, they've lost all the games. They've they've gone into third period at zero zero. But you look at this game, and. Pajot, it's one nothing, but there were chances earlier for the Islanders to get ahead. Yep. You had mm-hmm. Palmieri missing out on a two-on-one. You had a via feed from Holmstrom. You had Barzal miss the net on a point-blank pass from Holmstrom. You could the Islanders could have been up three nothing in the dying seconds of that game. Sure. Now again, absolutely, we've talked about it in times in the playoffs when the Islanders get their chances, they don't make the most of it. Those are chances, especially not even scoring, hitting the net. I mean, Palmieri, as much as he'd struggled this year, and he's got ten goals, I think. So like. He's been all right, but that's a chance for you to bury. And remember, he had the chance in Vegas where if he scores right. in the breakaway there, mm-hmm. the Islanders yep. probably win that game. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, chances go by the boards, but they were still in it. Yeah, absolutely. And you get the goal, first off, slap pass by Dobson. So intentional. That's a beautiful play from him. And Pajot deflecting on the backhand, even harder. But again, they go up one nothing in that game when they were playing their best defensive. Bre- they played Trotz hockey in Trotz's house. They were honoring their former coach. And you just thought, okay, <laughs> after that Toronto game, 
where Sorokin had, again, a really great game, and the defense against Nashville really allowed him to just focus on doing the little things. He wasn't under siege. That if they found a way to get, not even just a, two points, even a point in this one, yes. you build. They came within 17 or so seconds of at least having a pretty feel-good week after the week previous, right? After the road trip that they yep. had. And it would have been a nice little bounce-off point heading into the road trip ahead, which I think we should get into now for What's on Tap. And now, it's time for What's on Tap. A look ahead at the Islanders' upcoming schedule. That's right, folks. It's time for What's on Tap. A look ahead at the Islanders' upcoming three-game road trip, which starts... Tomorrow, Monday in Minnesota. Stefan, Minnesota seems to be having an up and down year. Look good at some points, look bad at other points. I guess maybe somewhat similar to the New York Islanders. But what have you seen out of the Minnesota Wild and what, what's in store for them tomorrow? Yeah, it's a hard-nosed team to play against. They mm. definitely have played better under Dean Evison. Not great. And the right. one thing for this team as you look at it, is their goaltending. Yeah. Last year, mm-hmm. their goaltending was fantastic. <laughs> you love that word. Gustafson. Apparently you do. Monster. Monster year last year. Um, this year, their goaltending has been a major issue. The point that right. they, had a, they had a rookie come in and get shelled to play Wallstad. I don't make sure I'm pronouncing it right. Wallstad, something like that. Mm-hmm. And again, this is one of those Kyle te- Wallstad, Kirk Wallstad, Kirk. Um, <laughs> and but you look at this team, and again, that's another situation where the Islanders are playing a goaltending duo in Flurry that struggled this year to be effective. And if the Islanders can generate shots early and get goals early, same thing with Logan Thompson. You look at Logan Thompson for Vegas, and mm. we were talking to the media there, and they said that you know Logan got in shelled the game before the Islander game, and that this year when he's allowed one or two goals early, he's kind of fallen apart mentally in terms of staying focused in these games and finding ways to rebound. No pun, I guess pun intended. And the Islanders allowed Thompson to find his game, and that's mm. what they can't allow to happen in Minnesota. If they get one or two goals, you got to bury those second or third or fourth chances to put the game out of reach. Because once a goalie gets hot and gets into a rhythm, the Islanders don't do that enough where they exploit a team's weakness. Mm. Now, again, Minnesota's not great this year. Kirill Kaprizov is back. He's, I think he's going to be his second mm. or third game back. He's a monster. Of course. Um, but again, this is not a team that the Islanders should be scared to play, nor no, should the Islanders be scared to play not. any team. But you're going up against weak goaltending. Yeah. Fire pucks to the net. Force these goalies to make saves early. And if you do that... You're going to see the rebounds. What was it the other night against Toronto? Martin Jones was spitting things out yeah. left, right, mm-hmm. never to the right spots. And the Islanders eventually exploited that. But early on in that game, you said, okay, Jones is not controlling a single rebound. And the Islanders were shooting a lot. Um, so I think I think for the Islanders, that's the key against Minnesota is fire as many shots as you Pepper can early, net. test this guy, and crash the net. Pepper the net. Tuesday into Winnipeg. We just talked about them with Dan Robertson. So I don't know if you have anything to add there, but another team that's at the top of their game here. This is going to be a tough test for the Islanders. They're playing pretty much lights out. Top of the top of the division has had been at the top of the league recently. Winnipeg Jets, Stefan. Kyle Connor might be one of the most underrated players in the sport. You always see him on the highlight reels, but he's never talked about. It. And again, like you said, he's been hurt. Could come back. That is a guy where. If your structure is off by even an inch, he will exploit. They have Nikolai Ehlers, who's got speed. Perfetti's been yeah. solid this year. Their defense has been great. And again, Hellebuck's great. So if you're going to score goals, it's going to probably be a greasy one. Again, sure. same thing with Minnesota. It's, it's a theme for most teams. Get shots on goal and crash. You're going to have to get traffic. Hellebuck's very tall, very flexible. Um, they have weapons. All That's the reason why they're one of the best teams or the best team in this league right now. And again, I think it's important to get traffic in front of Hellebuck because if you could see it, He's going to make the save. 
Yeah, for sure. So another tough test on the road for the New York Islanders. Then on Friday, the Islanders go into Chicago. Completely different story there. Obviously a team in a rebuild now. They lose their their rookie sensation in Bedard to injury. Uh, Chicago should be a walk in the park for the New York Islanders. But as we know in the NHL, nobody is. If the Islanders bring their A game, though, that's a game they should take. They're going to have no choice in terms of taking that game. The way things have gone, when you give up points like they did in Nashville, you look at a team like that, and again, Every team could beat every team. I'm pretty sure the Chicago team beat a really good team like a couple of weeks ago. It happens all the time, right? So it's not like the Islanders, who haven't been amazing this year. It's not a gimme. No. Uh, without Bedard, I'm pretty sure Bavilia is still on IR, so they don't get to see their old friend there. Mm. This is a very young Blackhawks team. It's similar, to, in my eyes, to when the Islanders, um, who they play the other day, where they just killed them. They, oh, Arizona. Yes. Arizona's obviously a little better than Chicago, sure, but yeah. Arizona's still a young team, and the Islanders showed how important their veteran presence was, mm-hmm. knowing how to beat them and exploit them. And the Islanders have to mimic their performance against Arizona. To me, against Chicago, is not playing for much. But again, those are the teams that are kind of, you know, teams that have nothing to lose are usually the teams that find a way to give you the biggest pain in the be the biggest pain in the butt. So it's like the Flyers. They came out of the gate with no expectations, and look right. at them now. They're going to make the playoffs at this rate. There's no nights off in the NHL, but if the Islanders don't take the night off against Chicago, that's a game that should come out on top. Yep. No question about it. And one last note for what's on tap. Sunday, the Islanders come back home. They'll be hosting the Dallas Stars. And before that, we're going to be doing a little early pregame show from Blue Line Deli and Bagels. 2 p.m. Going to be talking Islanders there. Stay tuned for more details. Working on some some guests there. We'll figure it out. But Blue Line Deli and Bagels this coming Sunday. We'll pregame Islanders versus the Stars. So that'll do it for what's on tap. Why don't we move on to Hero of the Week. Ladies and gentlemen, when you hear this song, that means it's time for the Hero of the Week. Brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Half Price Hero, which this week is The Selly featuring grilled roast beef, sautéed onion, mushrooms, fresh mozzarella on a toasted garlic hero stop into the blue line deli and bagels huntington location for half off the celly stefan rosner who's your hero sean cuthbert my hero is noah dobson because he just does not stop making plays it is it's kind of ridiculous five assists over his last two games four against um toronto one yesterday he just his vision has been it's been insane i just watched adam fox today and watching the the plays that he makes and you're like okay he won um best defenseman in the league norris Dobson is doing exactly what Fox is doing, and he's doing it at an alarming rate, and it's crazy. Look at that pass to find Barzal at that back post in the Toronto game, and you're thinking, okay, he already had a great game. He didn't need to do that, and he finds him. Pajot last night, again, if you watch the replay, some may look at that and go, oh, Pajot got his stick on a Dobson slap shot. Mm-mm. Watch that replay again. Dobson sees Pajot's stick. The shot, he actually doesn't shoot it on net. He shoots it to where Pajot's stick is. Just, the, again, the vision from this guy. I wanted to share a stat. He is... One of two Islanders defensemen in the history of the of the team with 41 points through 41 games. Potvin did it seven times. So him and Potvin are the only two Islanders defensemen to have 41 points in 41 games. He just doesn't stop, and it's ridiculous. He has been outstanding. Grumble all you want about some of the lows for this team this season, but Noah Dobson has just been such a high positive for this team. MVP. Still young. Yeah, absolutely. No question about it. You know, he's not going to the All-Star game, but, you know, it is what it is. Not a big deal. Yeah, Who's, only Toronto and Vancouver I'm not watching that thing anyway, and those jerseys, by the way, are heinous. Yeah. Um, Awful. Well, Justin Bieber designed them, so what are you, what are you expecting here? I guess uh, he should just worry about where he gets his peaches from and, and leave it at that. <laughs> I think, I think, Sean, I think, wait, wait, wait. Yes. Thank you. That, that, I appreciate that. Thank you. I've been, I've been sitting on that one all night. Thank you so much. All right. So, so let's go to my hero now. Hero of the week. 
And that is Matt Barzell. He gets the overtime game-winning goal against the Toronto Maple Leafs, put up three assists in that game. And he has some crazy stat where I think he's the first player to ever do that twice, where you have three yes, assists in yes. a game and you get the overtime winner. Correct. Eric Hornick just pulling these very... You know, unique stats out of the air because which which one of us are gonna you know go to the internet and be like, okay, he had three assists. Has another guy ever scored an overtime goal after putting up three assists? I'm not looking for that. But Eric Hornick does a fantastic job over at MSG and the NYI Skinny, and he uh, shared that little nugget with the Islander world, the Islander fandom. So Matt Barzell, my hero of the week, All Star Matthew Barzell, All Star Matthew Barzell, my hero of the week for the one win that they ended up getting. In, uh, in this past week. So that will do it for the Hero of the Week. Once again, stop into the Blue, Blue Line Deli and Bagels Huntington location, mention Hockey Night in New York, and get half off the celly. Before we get to... Yeah. okay. Uh, I want to play a little game with you. Okay, let's play a game. All right, so after the 41 <laughs> game marks, it does not count the ridiculous game that happened last night. Yeah. I did player grades. Yes, you did. For the Hockey News. I saw that, and I, yeah. Again, we have the obvious. Noah Dobson is my only A+. Plus. Okay. Matthew Barzell, A. Professor Horvath. Stefan. Professor Stefan. Okay. No no reduce, nothing. Okay, fair enough. Um, okay. So, so that was my grades, but I want to play a game with you. I'm going to name a player that yeah. I think was... Borderline. I didn't read your piece, so I don't know the answer to this. I, that sucks. Thank you. Thank you for the support. But it worked I, I, I out. I read like 95% of them. I appreciate it. We, yeah. It works out, though, in this situation. <laughs> sure. So I'm going to give you a player. You're going to tell me what you would have graded them, and then I'm going to tell you what I graded them, and we'll move on. Sounds and there's great. no prizes. So, oh, damn it. Sorry. Okay, sounds great. I love prizes. All right. Pierre Engvall. Ooh, Pierre Engvall. I'm going to say C-. minus. Close. Give him a C+. Plus. Okay. Just because, Same again, letter. you look at the points, five goals, nine assists. Again, it's not a guy that creates points. And early in the year, I guess you could say, well, it was the plays we were making, right? It was the plays he was making. But lately, it's just not right. making those plays, and it's really hurt Nelson. Um, moving from Engvall to Palmieri, mm-hmm. what do you think the grade was for that? Mm-hmm. I'm 10 gonna, goals, 13 assists, 23 points. Which isn't bad. No. Pace for 46 points. I'm going to go with a solid C on that one. B minus. B minus. I'll okay. tell you why. You're Again, nice early on, like Engvall, but uh-huh. the thing for me is Palmieri's been healthy. Yeah. He was scoring. He was helping out mm-hmm. on the power play. He was okay. key to this power play turnaround. But it, lately, again, mm-hmm. kind of tailed off for me. Again, right. not helping Nelson. So I had a B minus there. Last one for you. Okay. Ilya Sorokin. Ilya Sorokin. Okay. And I'm a goalie, and I think I was fair with Well, this. look, no, 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 you, you've acknowledged some of the big saves that he's made. You've also acknowledged when he's had maybe not his best game. So I'm, I'm saying that there's definitely not going to be an A attached to this. Uh, I'm going to go with you gave him a B minus. B plus. Okay. Again, not as good as last year, but he's also faced the most amount of shots in the league. He's also playing every game now. And he's had, uh, listen, if you look back at his last maybe six starts, four of the six have been... Very been as good maybe as last year or just around there. It's hints of being that good of a player. Um, again, I think he could be better. There's saves that he certainly should have made this year that have led to those blown leads. A lot of those games, you know, you look at at least one or two where it's like, okay, right, Sorokin should have that, but I give him a B plus. Okay, a B plus. It seems like I think for all three grades, I was like two notches below what you actually gave. And I'm not so. saying I'm right. I mean, that's just what I went with. For sure. Reasons. And I explained in the piece. No, you can no. check that piece. I out, get Sean. it. Look, you can read it. I actually thought I maybe <laughs> I actually thought I'd end up being a little more positive than you, but uh, you were the positive. I was guy told that I was way too um, generous. Too generous. Yeah. I gave Wallstrom a C plus. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. C plus. I would have given him an incomplete. I don't think yeah. he's really playing. Well, I gave Bortu to... as an incomplete because he, he, he was here for 12 games, which, too. by the way, it didn't feel like it was that many games. It didn't. Um, but 
Yeah, but yeah, those are my grades. You can check that out at the Hockey News. There you go, the Hockey News. Check out Stefan Rosner, Professor Stefan Rosner's grades on the first half of the New York Mm -hmm. Islanders. So that'll do it for for the game show time. And before we get into (laughs) questions brewing, I'm going to tell you all about our friends at Isles Fix. Islanders country, get your daily fix of Isles news, highlights, and analysis by subscribing to Isles Fix, the only Monday through Friday Islanders newsletter sent directly to your inbox. Sign up for free or become a paid subscriber for added benefits at Isles Fix. Dot substack.com. And with that, I want to speak to our friends behind the board. Eddie, hey. Jay, how you fellas doing tonight? Well, I'm always doing great. But uh, how's how's uh how's Jay's not even doing putting over the there? camera on me? <laughs> Jay doesn't even want to put the camera on me. Uh well it's you still know, on you. What can I tell yeah, you? Yeah, he's coming, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I can't I'm sorry, help, Ed. You know, I'm sorry. I work with children, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You're calling people children. Jeez. Wow. What? Wow. What I'm kidding. I'm, I'm older than you. All right, boys. We'll settle this after the show. Ed, how's the chat looking there? I know we got some more people in there. We have right? uh, we have new guests from uh, other platforms. That. We have YouTubers in here. We Love have all that. sorts of things. Excellent. Uh, so why don't we start? Give off? us your well, best. Why, why don't we? Well, can we? Can we do the? Oh, please, time yeah, please play the song, please. Yes. Brewing. Yes. It's time for questions brewing. This guy's great. Ahead. Just feels right. Ask us a question. That guy's great. Whoever does that, that guy's great. Yes. Uh, let's start it off with Megan from YouTube. What's up, Megan? What's Megan, up? Uh, if well, there's. I just want to preface: we're starting tonight. There's a lot of Lou, a lot of Lou hate tonight. That's we. I, that was expected. Yeah. If they fire Lou, who would you choose to replace him? Wow. Ugh. We're we're getting way ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> One, I don't think anybody's firing Lou. I think if right. he's leaving, it's going to be a mutual parting of the seas there yes i would think yeah he's going out on his terms yes yeah. now what i would do is bring in a new face maybe a younger face maybe more of an analytical younger guy that i think is deserving of a chance kevin weeks is waiting and waiting Kevin weeks well third in there gm well first off i don't think anybody wants them to hire chris lamarillo so i was gonna again, mention that sure, okay him yeah so again you're looking at i'm trying to think of gms that are out there that no one's talking about he applied for a job weeks didn't get it is that right yeah, I'm pretty sure he was in the race for one of them this summer or showed interest in one of them this really? summer. I believe so. Interesting. And I think when you listen to him talk, the mind that he has, maybe not as a full GM, maybe as an assistant to start and work your way up. Yeah. The mind that he's shown in the understanding of the game today. Again, you're talking about a, a GM like Lou who's been around for a while. And again, not saying like he's made great moves this year. I think people forget. The moves that he's made yes, this year to short fi- memories here. The, the defense moves that he made to bring in Riley, to bring in Bortuzzo, all these things, bringing in Horvat, which has worked well with, I, again, well. not getting a lot of credit. But I, I feel like if you're going to move on from a guy like Lou, bring another older GM. Again, you're not trying to change the culture of the Islanders, but there's going to be some turnover with this team next year. Again, mm. your fourth line might not be back. Might be depending on how My the famous season, last words. Depending, yeah, depending on how the season goes, maybe yeah. a veteran is traded out, and then you have a really young core. Maybe it's time for a new face, a new GM. Again, maybe maybe Weeks isn't the choice in terms of the GM, but maybe an assistant. I just think getting a new face and that understands that kind of game where we're getting with analytics and more mm-hmm. of that. I think it would be a cool thing. Again. Off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of GMs out there. He was the first person that I mean, came to mind. It's a very interesting name. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Kevin Weeks yeah. and the job that he does on, on the broadcast and all that, but I, I don't know if the man is qualified to be a general manager of a team. I don't know if I feel comfortable with him stepping in with really no previous managerial experience. Uh, maybe cut his teeth with a couple of teams first, like you said, as an assistant GM. But it's a very interesting name. Maybe that's a fu- future for him someday. You look at a guy like Thomas John. Hickey? <laughs> 
Well, you look at John Davidson, right? And he yeah. went from the broadcast booth to becoming president of the Columbus Blue Jackets, and he's a well-respected guy in that regard. So, you know, it's not necessarily out of the question. I think that's a very interesting name. I came into tonight's show not being prepared for a potential well, replacement. Let's be fair. I was also not prepared. Right, yeah. I said Kevin so, I know, <laughs> I know a lot the of hard people questions. not only, you know, think that Chris Lamarillo might be the next guy and are afraid that Chris Lamarillo might be the next guy. I ultimately don't think that's how it's going to shake yeah, out. Yeah, me neither. Whenever Lou moves on, however Lou moves on, whether it's this summer, the following, whatever it is, I think once his tenure here with the Islanders are done, they are going to have a clean slate from the Lamarillo family. That's no knock on Chris. I just think they're going to go in another direction, probably somewhere like you're talking about, maybe a young guy. I don't know if they're going to go Kyle Dubas young or something like that. Uh, you know, you have the young guy over in Chicago too. I forget his name, but you got some, you know, you got some youth, the youth movement coming in. Davidson. Sure. Yeah. yeah Davidson. Davidson. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, but you got some young guys coming in now taking the GM reins and maybe that's the way they go. But, but I It'd think it'd be really funny now. Kevin Winks becomes, you know, we look back not like only two AGM, years, but the Islanders yeah, like, GM. That Islanders would, announced wow. like, what a full circle moment there. But, uh, you know, you know, the question keeps coming in and, you know, one day we'll actually, uh, you know, be, be wondering exactly who that's going to be, but I just don't think we're there yet. Megan, great question. Yeah. Though. Thanks for the question. Great question. Uh, next up from phlebotanum one, I think it's like phlebotomy. Sure. I see a little regression in Nelson's two-way play this year. For an example, D-zone turnovers. Do you think this is a Brock thing or a function of the line's recent dip in play before the changes? I haven't noticed a dip in his defensive play. I think at times, though, we see a lot of the forwards. Again, going back to last night, last night I have never seen these forwards back check the way they did. Now, that being said, with the structural tweak that we were talking about where mm -hmm. they want the forwards lower in the zone... One thing that will do is that will limit your ability to offensively transition because mm -hmm. you have too many guys deep. Right. Yesterday, wasn't a lot of chances for the Islanders. And I think a lot of that was because of that. They tweaked the structure to, again, shore up the defense. Look under trots. Offense wasn't part of the plan. It was get one or two goals and lock it down because they didn't get as many chances. They were one of those teams that actually, if you look back at the stats under trots, they were just capitalizing on their chances, but they had slim chances. And I think mm -hmm. last night was a situation where, great, them back-checking and making plays in their own zone was fantastic and allowed mm -hmm. for them to really be structural defensively. But there was a lot fewer transitional chances for them in transition and off the rush. And I think that was a product of the system where yeah. now you go, okay, lane, the reason you've seen so many defensive issues is because the offense is saying, go, go, go. Right. And now you have to find a common balance of doing that but also playing sound enough defensively. And that's what the Islanders are struggling with right now. Yeah, I think it's it's more a product of the system that Lane has them playing as opposed to Brock Nelson, you know, being irresponsible. And I thought he's made defense. some of, of some great plays on the back check yeah, this year. Yeah, for sure. Good question. Next up from John Smith. Everyone knows the best defense is offense. What was Lane thinking putting out a brutal fourth line twice in the last two minutes? He that obviously was trying to get to overtime. As he sh I feel like in that situation with seven seconds left, yeah, after you're, you're trying to get to overtime there. I don't think the play was to spring Pajot and yeah. Barzal. Um, no. Now, again, it wasn't the full fourth line out there like we were discussing. Right. This is what kind of puts Lane under the spotlight a little bit here because not only was Martin out there, and I know a lot of people question that to begin with, but because he was he was just out there. Now, look, I'm, I'm sure... Lane Lambert wanted J.G. Pajot out there. That's why you saw that, or some version of that line went out there again. And you and I talked about this before we went live tonight, and that line was just having a good night, Matt Martin included. Yep. So I feel like this was a product of Lane 
having confidence in those guys for the game that they were playing that night. And you see coaches do that all the time. I mean, I, I remember a million times Barry Trotz telling people, you know, why this guy was out there, why he was, oh, well, I thought he was going good. I wanted to see him out there. And you see that happen all the time. And I think that was what we saw from Lane Lambert. Uh, you Look, just separate of that, is Matt Martin a guy you're typically going to want double shifting that late in the game when you have all these other guys with, you know, more defensive prowess, a little more foot speed, right? You could have had Hudson Fashing out there. There's, you know, Simon Holmes from out there for sure. So I completely get that. I understand that questioning. But I think in this particular case, Lane thought Pajot and Marty were going well last night. And he was like, let me just throw them back out there. They can close the game out here. Matt Martin makes a decision that none of us were expecting. Like, you can say whatever you want about Matt Martin, but... Lane Lambert or nobody goes into that game thinking that Martin's going to make a decision like that for whatever reason he did. He thought he thought he had to play with JG. He obviously didn't, and it completely blows up in their face. So you know, it's 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 just Lane got completely burned by 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 his gut, by his feeling. He was like, I'm going to roll roll him back out there with JG. They'll close it out to get to overtime. We'll try to get the win there. That never happens because of just a terrible domino effect of plays that Matt Martin unfortunately was was guilty of. And yeah, it's it's absolutely fair to question why why he was out there not once but twice in the in the, in the lo- later moments of the and game. And I did and I did say they were maybe trying to get to overtime. Then the question is, okay, why is Barzell out there springing going up the ice? In those dying seconds. So maybe there was a play. Maybe they were trying to confuse. He might have saw Barzell yeah. on the other side too. Yeah. And in the camera angle that I saw, you don't know where Barzell is. No, but maybe Pajot to Barzell is what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. For sure. Like, listen. At tough the end, play. <laughs> tough play. Yeah, tough but play. That's at a tough the end of the day, yeah. it, was, it was the wrong decision. Matt Martin made a mistake, and the Islanders paid dearly for it. Next up from... No other than Trottier 19. What's up? This one kind of hurts me, but why is Palmieri on this team? He does squat, oh. but makes mis- he does squat, but make mistakes. Brutal giveaway and dumb penalty last night. We we talked about it. I mean, bad turnover, right? Bad penalty, and he's again. It doesn't help when you haven't been playing your best as of late in terms of helping the team win. Now, why is he on this team? One contracts. <laughs> True. Damn. Practical reason. Yes. <laughs> Two. On that, pace, for we just said, for a 46 point season, which you, on pace you, you to need play those. in like all of the games this year. Also a positive. <laughs> um, yes. And again, with how that second line started, he was a very big part of it. Whether the goals yeah. were coming or not, it was just he's had a tough stretch. That line in, a, in total, outside of Nelson, mm-hmm. has had a tough stretch. We look at Palmieri on the power play, I'm pretty sure it was against. Was it against Toronto? The behind no look backhand pass to Nelson. Right. Are we forgetting about that for one split second here? Right. Um, he's been a big part of the power play all year. So again, he's on this team contract wise. He also played well on that second line, which is why that whole line was back together. Why Engvall got seven years, and again, he's been a huge part of the power play success. Could he be playing better? Yes. Did he make a couple mistakes last night that killed them? Absolutely. Ed. Yes. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's okay. That's Jay. all Jay's fault. Yeah. Next up from New Wave Halifax. Questions brewing. Ishikov is an AHL All-Star two years in a row. What will it take for him to get called up? I like this question because I'm seeing the headlines coming up and being like, okay, he's having a nice little season there. Love to break it down. Yeah, you ready for this one? But yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you got a couple of guys. You got a leapfrog. You got to wonder what Lane is looking for, what Lane wants as far as a call-up. And I don't know if that's what he wants right now. And maybe you could make an argument for the scoring he has down there. But as we also know, scoring in the AHL doesn't necessarily translate to the NHL. And let's face it, the Islanders aren't exactly starred for scoring right now with the way their top line is playing. Maybe their second line's dried out a little bit, but I'm not sure if they're ready for him just yet. Stefan? Ishikov is 5'8". 
Not saying anything wrong with being <laughs> size, but you just talked about the time and the space in the AHL. He has yeah. probably, we had Chris Terry on the show, right? who said he's probably is one of the most talented players he's ever played with mm-hmm. in the AHL. And again, all-star for two straight years. He is a top six talent if he's going to make it in the NHL as a top six guy. He is not a bottom six talent on the AHL and the way he plays or at the NHL level. He's too small. He does not play strong enough defensively. He's been better without the puck on his stick this year, talking to some people down there. But this guy's a top six talent if he makes it to the NHL like that. The Islanders don't need top six help right now. Maybe you could say the Engvall line and Palmieri line, have, excuse me, the Nelson line struggled. But right now, the Islanders need, with Zizekas out, they need to call up a center. Now, Ishikov is listed as a center. They moved him to left wing last year for, mm. for his first year in Bridgeport. He's been predominantly a left winger this year. So again, he's been great. But there's a reason why he wasn't recalled last year. Again, it was his first year in Bridgeport, maybe getting it too. But I think the Islanders don't, He's not playing in the top six the same way a lot of prospects won't get. Like for Dufour, Dufour's a bigger body guy, not great defensively, but could hold his own at the NHL level just because of his size. Mm-hmm. We saw Ishikov in the blue and orange scrimmage last year take a little hit in the corner and slow to get up and was banged up and was out for a little bit. I'm not saying he can't be an NHL player. People that are small can use that to his advantage. Chris Terry mm-hmm. said that he used it to his advantage. But the NHL level, one big hit. That could be it for this kid. And again, I don't think they're going to call him up if they need a bottom six help because he's not a bottom six player. There you go. Fair enough. Next up from Matthew Sklaroff on Facebook. How long before a decision has to be made uh, about putting Zeker on IR? I have a feeling he had a Pulak injury. Yeah, so you saw the same thing. Pulak takes a shot, a Wierenski shot off the ankle, stays in the game, comes back in the third, then leaves. And I think similarly, I would say Zeker's probably has probably the exact injury. Mm. Now, how long do they have to wait? They could put him on IR whenever they want, they just retroactive it. So they did that with a couple of players this year, which just means he has to miss seven days from the date of the injury. Right. Which would be come back Wednesday. If they put him on LTIR, you have to miss 10 games and 24 days, which would have him back at whatever that first game is after the All-Star break. So is there a timetable? No. He's week to week. Him saying that they didn't want Clutterbuck there because he'd be out a while. Mm-hmm. It's telling me not till, not till the earliest after the All-Star break, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what he did. Obviously, maybe broken ankle, broken foot. Right. You name it. But there's no weight. Again, it, it's boggling to me mm-hmm. why, unless they're working on a trade. That could be the other thing, too. But why they wouldn't put Seekers on IR. Because, again, it's not like, or LTIR. Because maybe they think he'd come back before that timetable, which is fine. But IR creates that roster spot for a call. Just call up an extra center. Godi is not a center who's on the bench. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, I feel like he's getting into the lineup on Monday. Yeah, I think Matt Martin will probably sit for Godier. Probably, or yeah. Wallstrom. Fair. You'll fair, see that. Fair, but fair. they don't have the center help. When again, McLean, Kuhlman. You signed Kuhlman this summer and Pino. But Pino has, I think, two games of NHL experience. Kuhlman's mm-hmm. got 130, 140. Sure. You signed those guys for depth because you didn't have NHL depth last year when you needed help and call mm-hmm. up. So it is confusing. Could we see a call up tomorrow morning? 100%. They could have sure. They could have evaluated. Zika said maybe the swelling goes down, see mm-hmm. what it is. But... Yeah, it, it was confusing why they didn't go the IR route because they're not, it doesn't matter, like crewing cap space, which doesn't happen on IR anyway. Right. They have Pulak on the men. So this is just to create a spot. So it is interesting. Time will tell. Time will tell. Time will tell. They also gave Sorokin a B, Matthew. You gave him the B+. Plus. Oh, there you go. I says, guess that's okay. my goalie bias coming okay. in. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, next up from Mitch Madness. Best Islander of the year so far in terms of offense and defense? Noah Dobson. Yeah. Noah Dobson? Noah Dobson. No question. Next. Next. No, no, no question. <laughs> I mean, again, Barzal's had a great year. We've yeah. talked about the offense, but when you, you get the offense that you're getting from Dobson and yeah. you're getting the shutdown number one defenseman defense from a guy who looked like he was never going to be that kind of guy, mm-hmm. maybe not even a middle-pairing defenseman last mm-hmm. year because of his defense, by far MVP. 
Yeah, I agree. Next. <laughs> Next up from Mr. Tom Boyle. When is Malkin selling the team? <laughs> He's not selling the team. They're waiting for the real estate to get done. He's already got his hands. T Boyle, come on. So, but like, no, this is this is great because T Boyle. I mean, look, long time listener of the show, love it, and long time follower of the show. Uh, he has he has escalated from <laughs> when as the co- when is the coach getting fired? When is this guy getting traded? When is the coach getting fired? When is the GM getting fired? Now it is when the owner is going to sell the team. The next one is when are the Islanders going to be removed from the NHL? And I can't <laughs> wait for that one. But Tom, always love your questions. I I, I, I think Malkin's here to stay for now. He's got that, yeah. that big retail space getting built up next door, and there's some dollars over there. What's the so. line from um, what movie was it? I'm never leaving. I, I'm Wolf not leaving. Wall yeah, Wolf of Wall, Wall Street. Street. Yeah. Yes. T-Boy, that's Malkin to you. He, he is not leaving, so 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 get used to it, buddy. Thanks for the question. And it's Sir. He's knighted. <laughs> sir Tom Boyle. No, Sir right. Mal- Malkin's knighted. Oh. Is he? Yeah. I'm pretty right? sure, I'm, no way. I'm, unless I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure he is. Oh, Someone okay. look, Jake, look that up. Yeah, Jake, look that up. Yeah. No, not yes. Sir Tom no, Boyle. Not, yes. <laughs> well, well, Sir Tom Boyle is sir definitely Scott not. Sir Malkin. Scott Malkin. Look up, yeah. I could be completely wrong. Let us know if he's a sir. Yeah. We'll do another one from New Wave Halifax. In the last shift situation like last night, who should have uh, Lane put out there? Well, I think pa- I think we both agree Pajot makes sense. Face yeah, off. absolutely. I, again, not the coach. Horvat's got to be out there for me. Again, look, if we're talking about game by game, Horvat just won a huge draw for you the night before in Toronto. You trust him to be, unless, unless Pajot gets thrown out, things that I would have had him out there. And again, you could have had Barzal out there. I didn't have an. I didn't really have an issue, Martin, being out there. Just the way that whole play, again, every NHLer can make that play, and if Martin That's makes that thing, play, nobody's like, talking about him being out there late. It's happened yeah. before. Look against Carolina in the playoffs. That fourth line went out there a little too much late mm-hmm. in those games. But mm-hmm. when it's not the whole fourth line, and again, Pajot is not the fourth line guy. Having Martin, who had a very good game out there, is not an issue. The problem was just him making a mistake. Now again, it looks bad on Lane, but if mm-hmm. Martin clears the puck out, one if they score. Martin makes a great play, but if they go to overtime, no one's even thinking about it. Usually this. when when Martin is the victim of a bad play that leads to a goal against or something that happened, from what I've seen, it usually has something to do with foot speed. Yeah. Getting caught, getting losing a puck battle because he's, you know, he's caught up to the puck gets chipped off a stick and it goes the other way. This is a situation where again, anybody on that roster you would just expect to make that play up the boards. Forever. I think you would even think Boldy would make that play. I, I would. Yeah. I would, absolutely. I mean, if he didn't, I'd, <laughs> I'd have some other words for him. Maybe he's the one guy I would doubt, right? But no, I just don't think anybody goes into that game and thinks that anyone on that roster is going to make that play because they're not supposed to. Again, like, you know, is Matt Martin going to come out and explain to us why? No. I mean, we can only, you know, have conjecture like we, we had previously. I mean, you know, again, like Stefan said, we're not even talking about it. If he just ma- chips that puck out, they get to overtime. He doesn't touch overtime ice and... You know, maybe they that would have been insane. Point. Then, yeah, then we have a little bit of a problem. <laughs> then we have some issues. A <laughs> little here. bit of a problem. By the way, I don't think Malkin's knighted. Um, couldn't find it. So, where? What are you talking about, man? Someone told me that, and I guess I just ran with it. Sorry, T Boyle. It's that's Mr. All, you know, it's that's Mr. Almost bad as Kirk McLean, Stephen. <laughs> almost. I'm just almost saying. It's one one now. Tom it's wants one, to clarify. He said, "I asked this because the fan base hates him." I don't, Why do they hate Malkin? I don't. I don't know. I haven't heard that before. I'm not saying you're wrong, Tom, but I I haven't heard. I don't know what, what corner of the fan base you're referring to, but I, I'm not familiar with it. But anyway, Ed. <laughs> Moving on. Another one from Mitch Madness. Is there anyone you're worried about losing to FA at the end of the year? Oh, a- sorry, losing as a free agent. No. Lost me too. Because the important players, I think, for the honors are locked up. Again, their free agents are Martin, 
Clutterbuck, Aho, Wallstrom's an RFA that they could tender qualifying offer to. So I don't think the Islanders are looking and saying, oh, no. Like, right. Again, right. first off. They have Ma- so many guys locked Whether up it's time. Martin or Clutterbuck, there's a very likely a chance that they're back in a different role on a one-year or two-year low AV hit. They signed Sorokin. Again, that would have been the biggest question mark entering the season. What's going to happen with Sorokin? And they already locked him up. Varlamov's locked up. The defense is locked up. I think one more year for Dobson and Romanov. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one more year for them. I don't think the Islanders should be nervous about losing anybody. Yeah, I think they're pretty solid on the... And again, with Riley coming back, that's the other thing, too, is guys they brought in. Does Riley get a one-year deal? Because if Riley gets a one-year deal, then maybe losing Ajo for them isn't like, oh, God, we need an extra depth guy. They have Riley. They have Boldug under contract. Yeah, the nice thing is they don't have any high-profile guys that that they're going to have to worry about. So, And, uh, Ed, unless you got another big one here, I think we can wrap it there, man. Uh, Yeah, that's pretty much it. it, The rest is all about last night. You know, right? <laughs> I think enough. we've covered we, we as understand. much as we could. We, we did said speak a lot about last night. We, about we feel last your night. pain. We understand. So that's going to do it for questions brewing. And folks, that is going to do it for the show. So Ed Q, that music. Want to send a big thanks to Jets play-by-play man Dan Robertson of TSN for giving us a great spot on the Winnipeg Jets. And a huge thanks to our sponsors, starting with Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington and 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. Check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com. Also, a big thanks to Main Street Board Game Cafe, located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Find out how to unplug your game at mainstboardgamecafe.com. And a big thanks to Razor and Kniff, attorneys at law. Nobody likes going to court, but if you have to, call 516-742-7600 for a free consultation. And last but not least, a huge thanks to brand new sponsor, A1 VIP Entertainment, your one-stop entertainment concierge for sports, concerts, Broadway, special events, and more. One call does it all. 516-787-0048. And I guess we'll still thank our pal here, Jay Belsky, here at Floor Media for helping the show. (laughs) Continue on every week here at Floored Media. Stefan Rosner, where can everybody find you on social? Find me on Twitter at Stefan underscore Rosner, S-T-E-F-E-N underscore R-O-S-N-E-R, the New York Islanders hockey news site, Rangers hockey news site, and NHL.com. How's that Rangers get going, buddy? Today was fun. Is that right? It was, it was fun. It was great. Talking to Laviolette was cool. There you go. Um, that was awesome. Talking to some players in the room. Yeah, it was good. good All time. right. Very nice. You can follow myself on Twitter at Shawnee Hockey. You can follow the show on all social media platforms at Hockey Night NY. And folks, if you like what we're doing here, if you're enjoying yourselves, please help us out by rating, reviewing, subscribing to any of your favorite platforms, whether that's YouTube, Twitch, Instagram, Twitter, all over the place. Please follow, follow, follow. Give us some reviews for Stefan, for Ed, for Jay, for For Jake the Snake, for Kirk. (laughs) Maybe we'll go back to the Snake Den next week, Jake. But for everybody here at Hockey Night New York and for everybody watching on the new platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, appreciate it, YouTube, definitely keep tuning in. We're going to try to do that every week. So, even Hockey Night New York, have yourselves a great rest of your night. 